Hi, welcome to Exploring Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and today's episode is called Free Will and Morality, Pragmatic, Not Fundamental. Okay, and this is episode number 127, and we're taping it on Tuesday, June 18th, 2013. Okay, now, um, before I get to the theme, I want to really briefly, last episode I spent about 10 minutes with the introduction and explaining why free will is impossible. I want to try to zoom through this so we can, you know, spend more time on the topic. All right, so what is free will? Free will, if we had a free will, stuff would be actually up to us. When it's not actually we're puppets, absolutely nothing is up to us. If we had a free will, we would decide, think, say, feel whatever we wanted to without anything that's not in our control, like our unconscious, you know, dictating to us, making us do what we do, like our genes, whatever. Okay, um, so um, why is this important? Okay, just a uh, a quote by uh, the 13th most cited post-1900 philosopher in the world, John Searle. He said that for free will to be acknowledged by the world to be an illusion would be a bigger revolution in our thinking than Einstein or Copernicus or Galileo or Newton or Darwin. It would alter our whole conception of our relation with the universe. That's how big this is. There couldn't be anything bigger, right? This is huge, okay? So now, and, and like the reason I'm doing this show is because like, you know, the free will belief creates a lot of havoc, creates a lot of problems in the world that, that wouldn't, you know, that we wouldn't have if, if we had the belief. Okay. Now, why is free will impossible? Again, I'm going to zoom through this. So, like, if, if you don't catch it this time, the catch the show is on Exploring Illusion of Free Will. Google it, you know, see the site, or YouTube. They're all on YouTube. All right. So, basic reason is causality. Everything has a cause. Everything you do has a cause, and there's a cause to that cause, and there's a cause to that cause, and the causal antecedents to everything you do regress back to before we, you were born. Game over for free will. You can't have a free will. What, what's happening before you're born are making you do everything you do. It's a chain of cause and effect. Some people say, well, not everything has a cause. Fine, if certain things don't have causes, that means you can't be causing them with your free will. Some people say some things can cause themselves, cause a sweet, this Latin term. No, because like if, if the only thing that could potentially cause itself would be the universe at the very beginning. We can't understand that. But after that, like even if, even if like your decisions could cause themselves, which is an absurd notion, you wouldn't be causing them. They'd be causing themselves. Again, no free will. Last thing is spiritual. You know, my decisions are spiritual. They're not physical. And so causality doesn't apply. Wrong. Causality is a concept that both applies to the physical and the spiritual. Okay? And like your, your decisions are, your quote-unquote spiritual decisions are actually physical because they take place in a moment in time. Once they occupy a moment in time because they have to, because you have to make them at a certain point in time. They're part of the physical fabric of the universe, period. All right. So, so we're done with that. Okay, now, why do people believe in free will um, when the evidence refuting it is so compelling? Well, the first reason, they can't help it. You can't blame them. If you believe in free will, you know, even after getting this, don't, you know, don't feel bad about it. Because, like, you know, the reason you still believe it is because, like, the universe is making you. You have no choice but to believe in free will if you do. And you have no choice but to understand it's an illusion if you don't. So, all right. <clears throat> but anyway, like, a lot of people hold on to free will belief because what 
psychologists term motivated reasoning. In other words, like they understand the logic, the very strong, clear logic why free will is impossible, but then they've got these emotional needs, these emotional desires. And one of these like emotional needs and desires is very much related to morality. People fear. Fear is an emotion. It's a powerful, motivating emotion. People fear that without the belief in free will, our entire civilization is going to collapse. Law and order is going to collapse. You know, everybody's going to be like, you know, it's like, it's going to be, it's going to be anarchy. You know, it's horrible. You know, that, that, that they believe that. So like, so like, they can't, they can't allow themselves to be guided by their reason because of this fear. And I'm going to show how it's a bit irrational. It just doesn't make sense. They just haven't thought it through. So actually, let's do that now. All right. Why won't morality collapse to the extent that we understand that free will is an illusion? Okay, that nobody has it, nobody ever has had it, nobody ever can have it. All right. The first thing is we're hedonic creatures. This isn't up to us either. Okay. This is we don't choose. In other words, hedonic means that we seek pleasure and avoid pain. I'm going to devote the entire next episode to this. So um, basically, that's what we do. You know, we're hardwired to do this. In other words, like if we're like, you know, as an analogy, let's say we're a robot and we're programmed every time we go into a wall to make a left turn instead of a right. Okay. That's not a decision. That's, you know, the, the, the robot has to do that. So anytime we're faced with, with whatever, we're hardwired to seek the most pleasant. Now, it gets a little involved, but I'll, I'll go into the next um, show. Another, so in other words, like what I'm trying to say is like because we're hedonic creatures, we're not going to allow people to get away with saying, well, listen, I don't have a free will, so you can't blame me. Okay, that's just, it's not going to make sense in a very pragmatic way. That's why the title of this is like, you know, um, morality, we're going to like assume or impose pragmatic, pragmatic moral responsibility as opposed to fundamental moral re responsibility. In other words, we're going to know that people aren't fundamentally responsible for what they do, for what we do, but we're going to have to pragmatically take steps. Um, and I'll go into this a, a bit more um, down the line. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so like this, this, it's not my fault excuse is not going to work because we're not going to let it work. Another, another hardwire imperative that we have is morality. You know, we always seek to do what we consider right. You know, um, sometimes in hindsight we realize, well, maybe it wasn't right. But so, so in other words, like, so it's not going to be right, you know, it's not going to feel right for us to have other people get away with doing wrong or, or have ourselves get away with doing wrong just because we don't have a free will. We may want to like not become angry with them, and we may not like want to feel the pain of guilt when we do wrong. But that's a different matter than than you know fundamentally holding ourselves morally responsible. Okay, and that that leads us into this. Like for example, another reason why civilization is not going to collapse because even though we don't have a free will, we understand that reward is an incentive and punishment is a deterrent. In other words, like this is this is classic you know, operant conditioning in psychology. Basically, you know, reward versus punishment. You can, like, you can condition uh, an organism, an animal, a human being to do certain acts by providing incentives or rewards when they do it, or you can disincentivize them from certain acts by punishing them. You know, there's, there's numerous, thousands probably of experiments that demonstrate this. So, like, so, you know, reward and punishment work as motivators and deterrents. Okay, so that's one reason, that's another reason civilization is not going to co collapse. We're going to like do that.
So punishment is conditioning. Okay. So, so then, then you ask, all right, so what is the difference going to be? You know, why, you know, how will the world be different to the extent that not just a few people, but ultimately everybody is on board with the idea that nobody ever has a free will, had a free will, nobody ever can. You know, how is it going to change everything? Okay. First of all, you know, so a lot, there's a lot of hate in the world. I mean, look at the Middle East. Look at American politics, you know, with conservatives and, and liberals, um, Republicans, Democrats, and all. People hate. You know, you've got the Tea Party. You've got, like, you know, there are a lot of people that hate a lot of people out there. It's insane. It's sick. It's not pleasant. It's not very healthy for individuals or for society. Okay, so, like, what happens is, like, to the extent that you understand that free will is impossible, you lose every logical, rational reason to hate someone. You might hate what they did. You know, somebody goes around killing people, you know, whatever. You're going to hate the fact that, that that's happening. You're going to hate the fact that that's creating pain for a lot of people. But you wouldn't logically hate the person. More important than that, a lot of people who do wrong in the world, who go and kill people, whatever, they do it based on hatred. You know, you know they hate a certain group of people, so they're going to go out and kill some of them. You know, it's sick, it's insane, and it's based on the free will belief. Okay, if they didn't, if they, if they understood that the people that they were hating were not responsible for what they were doing, that there was, it was completely not up to them, again, they would lose all rationale for that hatred. And, you know, again, like, this isn't going to play out maybe in a year or maybe four or five. It might play out in a generation. But when everyone gets this, that nobody has a free will, it's going to be pretty impossible to hate anyone for anything, reasonably. You know, some people could, like, just, like, lose their, you know, temporarily just, you know, lose it, whatever. But, you know, logically, reasonably, reasonably, there's not going to be a reason for that. Okay. Um, so what happens is, like, to the extent also that we don't hate people, there are a lot of people in this world that are very unfortunate. A lot of times we blame, there's about 2 billion people on the planet that live on less than $2 a day, you know. And a lot of times we blame them for being so poor, which is really sick because, like, our policies, our economic policies as part of the first world, you know, the industrialized nations are actually a very strong cause of why they're poor. We keep them poor so we can like buy our products less expensively. You know, it's sick, but that's the way it is. But like, so what happens is like, you know, with people like that, we'll blame them for being poor. Like we have our jails and prisons are filled with people who are very unfortunate, they're very unlucky, that what they did, however wrong it is, and nobody's disputing or arguing that, it, that it's wrong, whatever they did, you know, to the extent that it was wrong, it's wrong. It's always going to be remain wrong. But to the extent that we blame them and hate them and, you know, attribute free will to them, you know, we're going to be hating them. They're going to be hating us in return because I think a lot of them understand that the reason they're in jail, like, for example, like if you're in a minority amidst a population, your, your numbers are going to be in jail and prison much more than the majority, whatever. This, you know, there's kind of like this, this group competition going on also. But the idea is that it's more than that. So it's not just the hatred that it um, cultivates. To the extent that society labels certain individuals as criminals you know, convicts, you know, just evil people. And you've got this whole, you know, the media, politicians, these, these mindless people who just like, I don't know how they get elected, but, you know, that's unfortunate. But to the extent that that kind of reasoning is cultivated, 
and we just see these these people as just horrible, evil convicts, criminals. They're going to see themselves that way too. This is classic psychology. This isn't like you know speculation. This isn't theory, um, hypothetical. This is this is the way it is. What happens is like if we see them that way, they're going to be much more likely to see themselves that way. To the extent they see themselves that way, that's how you create career cri- criminals. They say to themselves, "Well, you know, they're, they're telling me I'm evil. You know, I guess they must be right. You know, they're in power. There, you know, so many more of them than there are of, of us, whatever." So, so again, they're going to like integrate and adopt and and express that self-identity as a convict, as an evil person. All right? So to the extent that we as a society, you know, understand that they don't have a free will, one, we no longer hate them, two, we no longer identify them as vile, cruel, evil, you know, convicts, um, you know, just evil people. Okay? And to the extent that we do that, they're not going to see themselves that way, and you're going to see a far... um, less rate of recidivism. You're going to see a lot of people, a lot of criminals going into the criminal justice system, understanding, we're like, we're going to treat them with compassion. We'll say, listen, all right, you know, we, you did something wrong. You're hurting people. We can't allow you to continue doing that. So we, we're going to have to separate you for, for a while. But while we're doing that, we're going to like, we're going to try to see why you did why what you did. We're going to try to like, you know, um, correct your behavior you know, to, to lead you to repentance, to lead you to understand wh- where it was wrong and stuff. And we're going to do this with, with compassion, not with hatred and, and animosity and, and, and just all these vile emotions. Okay. Um, so, let's see. All right, and what happens is, like, a lot of times it's not about other people. A lot of times um, we hold ourselves fundamentally, morally responsible for what we do um, because of this free will belief. Um, And when we do that, you'll have a lot of people who like decades, you know, let's say they were in a war and they had to kill somebody or let's say they were like young and they did something really stupid in their youth, you know, and they're like three, four decades later, they're still like um, blaming themselves because they, you know, they're holding this free will belief and still punishing themselves, you know, because guilt, guilt can be kind of like a, a recognition that you've done something wrong. And that's kind of like, you know, that's just a cognitive, simple recognition. But the, the problem with guilt is that it also has the component of punishing. A lot of times when we feel guilty, we'll feel the need to punish ourselves, you know. So what happens is like, so we punish ourselves a lot of times by feeling badly, by by expressing and, and feeling negative feelings, all right? So to the extent that we as a population, as a civilization, overcome this insidious, this absolutely stupid, mindless, free will belief that I can't blame anyone for because it's not up to us. To the extent we overcome it, fine, we're going to have a conscience. You know, our conscience isn't going to go away. We're still going to understand when we did something wrong. You know, sometimes we may not, but that's a different matter altogether. But, you know, we'll understand when we did wrong, but we're not going to punish ourselves for it in, in the same way. Again, sometimes punishment acts as a deterrent, whatever, but you know, because like, you know, I was talking about what we were talking about before. But even in, the, in these cases, it would be like minimal punishment. It would be like, fine, all right, I did something wrong in the past. I recognize it was wrong. I recognize the seriousness of it. And I'm going to like vow, I'm going to work on not doing it again. Okay. And for a lot of us, you know, that, that works. You know, 
understanding the wrongness of it is enough to correct the behavior. We don't have to like suffer the, the self-guilt, the, the self-punishment that goes with the free will belief. Okay. Um, so what happens again? Another of the differences that will happen, once, once we go from this mistaken belief that human beings are fundamentally morally responsible to the, the correct understanding that human beings can be held pragmatically morally responsible, even though nothing is up to us. One, once we get that, once we understand that free will is an illusion and must be, then instead of like focusing so much energy, because we do this, we, 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 we expend so much energy on the recrimination part of this, the blaming, the accusing, you did this, you know, you, you know, the, the targeting of individual, we would move from that kind of like distracting, emotion-laden, non-productive, often escalating, and very often just like, it makes things worse, you know, strategy. We would move from that, you know, this distraction to addressing the situation. And again, like, if you did something wrong, okay, and, and let's say society helps you understand that you did something wrong. And, and let's say society doesn't believe you have a free will, you don't have believe, believe you have a free will. Under that scenario, you're not going to feel victimized. You're, gonna, you're not going to feel um, like a target. You're not going to feel you know, guilty, because you know, you're not, you're, you're not going to be guilty. I mean, it's not going to be your fault. And, um, and society is going to be freed that, that hatred, that, that you know, because again, when, when you target people as evil, that doesn't feel good. You know, it separates us from each other. So that, again, what, what happens is to the extent that you're not distracted by that blaming component that is, that is absolutely necessary with the free will belief, that's what the free will belief is about, you free yourselves, you free your energy to directly understanding the dynamics or whatever it is that, that needs to be dealt with, you know, again, in a far more direct way than, than through the free will belief. Okay. So as, as an example of how this, this actually plays out in our everyday lives today, um, think, think of like, all right, toddlers. I don't know how old toddlers are, two, three years old, who knows. Toddlers, um, we understand that toddlers don't have a free will. You know, in other words, like, they're young, they're inexperienced, they're, they're reasoning abilities haven't matured yet. They have these limitations. A lot of what they do, they have no idea that they're doing wrong. They, don't, they have no idea why they're doing a lot of what they're doing. We get this. We get this. So like, you know, when we're dealing with a toddler, it's kind of like they have an ex a special exemption to this like nonsensical, very harmful free will belief. You know, we, 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 we understand. They don't know any better. They're doing the best they can, okay? We, you know, and what's the result of that? We treat them with compassion. We're not going to, you know, we're not, we're not going to aggress against them. We're not, you know, you don't aggress against the toddler. You don't, you know, become really, you know, really, really um, punish them severely and stuff. You know, you try not to punish them at all because, you know, at that age, they don't even understand the concept of punishment. You know, they don't understand why it's happening in, in many cases. So, so, you know, just how we treat toddlers is a good example that we already know how to, to navigate certain situations without resorting to the, um, 
to the attribution of fundamental moral responsibility that comes with free will belief, and we know how to do it well, all right? So it's simply, you know, it's just a matter of translating how we treat toddlers, the compassion and the kindness with which we treat toddlers to ourselves and each other, okay? I mean, you know, it's not like we have to treat each other as kids, as babies, whatever, but the fundamental concept is you treat others with compassion and respect and kindness because you understand that whether they're two years old or, or 20 or 40 or 60 or 80, they can't but have done what they did, okay? That's, that's the salient consideration. All right, so, you know, that's going to create a much, much kinder world, you know, um, you're still, again, we're still going to have laws of what, you know, is good for the individual and society to do and what is good for the individual and society not to do. We're gonna still going to have, we're still going to have rules. We're still going to have rewards and punishments. But, especially the, the punishments, the punishments won't be nearly as severe. And, and I, I have a feeling, like, to the extent that, like, like, let's say you have a family member who ends up in prison and is severely punished for something. You know, chances are you, even though you're not in prison, you might harbor really negative feelings toward society for treating your, your brother, whatever, the way it's treated them. Okay, so like, so the idea is like to the extent that, you know, to the extent, or to the extent we understand that nobody has a free will, Sure, we'll punish, but like, but everybody will understand that we'll be punishing not because they deserve to to suffer and feel pain because they're such evil people and all that, which is such nonsense, such such a horrible, hateful thing to to believe believe. But from the standpoint, then listen, we've got to do whatever we believe is necessary to maintain order, but it's going to be the minimum amount of punishment. In other words, so much of the punishment that happens in today's criminal justice system, you know. It's not about, you know, correcting their behavior. It's about holding them fundamentally responsible, and it's about just desserts. You did something horrible, so, so we're going to do something horrible to you. All right, and again, that, you know, if you understand, if, if you see the way the world is today you know, with all our problems and, you know, with climate change, they're not going to get better for decades, unfortunately, and the challenges are going to get greater. If you see the, our mindset, you can understand how we have so many problems. Okay, um... For example, yeah, with the wars. I mean, like so many of the wars we have, the Middle East is just like, you know, really, really going through a difficult time now. Um, we went through World War II, World War I, the Civil War, you know, Vietnam, Korea, you know, Desert Storm, just so many wars. I mean, if, if we as a world understood that those people and those other lands, first of all, it's not up to them. It's so many of these, they have dictators, like with Iraq. I mean, it's not like the people of Iraq, you know, had anything to say in what Hussein was doing because he was a dictator. Yet, you know, Bush, you know, and, and our country, and with the, along with the British and all, killed a million Iraqis. That was insane. That was absolutely insane. You know, so, so the idea is like, to the extent that we have this belief in free will, we're going to hold groups of people, entire nations, countries, you know, populations responsible, and we're going to want to to afflict them with pain and stuff. And that's sick. That just just exacerbates the the problem. That just, you know, makes it worse. You know, it just cultivates a a world where of of vengeance and revenge, because they're going to try to get us back. You know, that's that's what happens. That's what 9-11 was about, you know, so... 
again, so like to the extent we understand that free will is an illusion, that nobody is really fundamentally responsible for anything, we still have to negotiate treaties and do geopolitical, you know, whatever, governance. But it'll be done with far more compassion, with, without the hatred, without the, the vengeance. Okay. Um, got about three minutes left. Now, all right. I would, I would guess that people aren't going to really be on board with this, really understand it, really understand how important it is for years, um, if not a generation. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that over this next generation, in 20 years or so, it's hard to believe that, that people will have not gotten this, especially because of the Internet and all. In other words, like this, this whole you know, free will refutation revolution began for the most part in 2010, in April 2010. And like, you know, right now it's out there. People are like, you know, right now people are in a state of denial about it. There's, there's a lot of thinkers that get it, but they don't want to get it. It's like we were talking about before. They have this motivated reasoning, you know. They want to believe they have a free will, but, but the facts are there. They're irrefutable. Within the next 10 years, there's going to be a lot of books published on this. Um, God willing, a, a major documentary is going to explain this. And what happens is fine. All right. It may take a generation to, to uh, get this done. So what happens is like, all right, the greater benefits of this won't be reflected today. In other words, you can adopt, to the extent that you understand that nobody has a free will, that others and you don't have a free will, that's going to help your life personally. You're, you're going to navigate your challenges much more pleasantly and sanely than if you hold on to belief. All right, but it's going to be hard, right? Because, like, you know, within a culture where everybody believes in free will, the, the legal system believes in it. It's, it's the Supreme Court. You know, these guys are idiots. I mean, they, how, could they, how, could you, how could you be on the Supreme Court and not understand that people don't have a free will? Free will is the law of the land, okay? So, like, to the extent that we believe that, you know, it's going to be difficult to counter this, this cultural conditioning, okay? But to the, you know... But, you know, once we do that in a generation or so, it's going to be a brand new world. It's going to be, imagine a world where there is, there's no rational, logical reason for hating anyone. You might hate the, the things people do, but you can't rationally hate another or yourself for anything. That's going to be a major, major accomplishment. Okay, and, you know, it just may happen sooner than we think it may because of climate change because like you know it all it'll take is like one major hurricane in a major city like new york city or something and you know uh, that that could cause like a, a um collapse of the economic system you know i mean like so to the extent that something dire like that would happen then you know a lot of people who are in power would understand the benefits of understanding that free will is an illusion, that would help out. All right, so anyway, so like, yeah, climate change may, may help us to understand this sooner than we think, but, you know, it's unfortunate. All right, well, I'm, thanks for watching, and we'll just go into this until you get it. <laughs> thanks.